a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a run. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, guys, we are fortunately graced by Unity Bliss coming by. Now, she is an oracle. She has some phenomenal perspectives on this. Y'all are just going to get your minds blown, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here telling you about what she talks about. It's going to blow your damn mind, so just enjoy. All the ways, of course, guys, to find her are going to be located down in the show notes, uh, as well as our affiliate links. So Food Forest Abundance, get your freedom from fear on. Also, Libsyn, if you'd like to start your own podcast, that's my recommendation if you're interested in something like that. Links down there. Also, if you're going to buy any damn thing at all on Amazon, run it through our affiliate link. It helps the show. It's just a normal, but it helps us, which is great. Uh, also, if you'd like to expand your experience with us here, go ahead and do that down in the show notes. Also linked at expandingrealitypodcast.com. That is going to be kind of a central hub for everything, guys. Also, if you have experienced any uh, paranormal or abduction phenomena, if you've got something going on that you can't explain and you'd just like to find a community of folks who would like to be a resource for you, check out the link down there for Opus. It's the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support. Uh, great resource, guys, so check that out for sure. Now, uh, let's get to this incredible, incredible conversation with Unity Bliss. All right, everybody out there listening and hanging out, uh, we have Unity Bliss here hanging out with us, and no big deal, but she's an oracle, and we're going to find out all about that, and she has a fascinating story, and I cannot wait for my audience to um, get to know you a little bit better. So, to that note, do you mind just letting us know uh, just a little bit about yourself? Awesome. Thank you so much, Brandon, for being here together. Um my name is Bliss. I'm going by the name of Bliss these days. I love to encourage people to play with names. And um, I'm an oracle. And so an oracle is someone who is just really tuned into accessing cosmic information and translating and transducing that information in such a way that it can be articulated to the collective. And so the oracle can always read where where humanity is on the cutting edge of our transformation and the oracle can always inspire humanity along and a true oracle is aligned with the heart. So what comes through the oracle inspires leadership in everyone. And that's, uh, you know, really where we are right now is really helping people tune into their own superpowers as we're going through this great transformation on the earth. And that's my super passion is helping people ignite their superpowers. So I'm just really excited to be here with y'all. Yeah, we're getting real with the Great Awakening. Uh, I love yeah. that. Okay, uh, so how 
How did you discover this about yourself, that you were um, special, different, and oracle? Uh, what was your first inclination this, of this that you can remember? Yeah. Um, when I was a child, I was always super tuned in. And, you know, of course, when you're a child, you don't realize that um, you've got this thing going on. And so I just, I could read people's past, present, future, their highest potential timelines. And it was really as I got older that I was able to start looking back at my life to see what was unique and different. Because of course, when you're a child, your experiences are so natural. And um, it was as my my life went on and all the pieces started to come together that I started to realize, for example, I would have indigenous elders come and visit me in the middle of the night. And that was a regular part of my life as a child was that I was being guided and stewarded by a lot of energies that came to me later in my life. So it all, all the pieces started to make sense. Um, I was very empathic, very tuned into people's emotions and feelings. And then there was this moment when I was such a small child, like maybe three years old, someone came to the front door and I was standing on the stairs and I was watching them. And I realized that I was seeing all of this information around them. And it wasn't until later in my life that I was able to use the words that I was able to see their past, present, future and their highest potential timelines. But that moment when I was about three years old, something really clicked and stayed in my awareness. And then my capacity to see energy lines and to see colors and things that we call ley lines now, um, it was just all so normal and natural for me. And then I really started to shut those gifts down and around the age of 16, I started having spontaneous out-of-body experiences again. And um, I was having those as a child when, once again, when I was about two or three years old, I would get up in the middle of the night and, and my parents would still be up watching TV. And I would go downstairs and I would be in this kind of daze. And I would just keep saying, I need to squeeze a handful of pennies. And none of us knew what I meant. And my higher self explained this to me much later in my life, that the guidance was telling me to, this was back when pennies were actually made of copper. And my guidance was telling me to get copper in my hands so that I could ground my spirit back into my body because my spirit was out flying in the ethers. And so my parents would always ask me what I meant. And I didn't know what I meant when I was saying it because I was still so out of my body when I, go, when I would go to them and ask for assistance. So around the age of 16, I started to um, go out of body again. I would just like lay my head down on the pillow at nighttime and boom, I was astral traveling. And I'd never studied astral travel or anything like that. And I was seeing again, past, present, future, highest potential timelines. I was seeing what was just about to happen. And it was kind of scary for me then because I had really closed it down. And, um, and so I talked to my parents a lot about it and they didn't really know what was happening. Um, I also crossed over when I was 10, I broke my neck diving into a pool. So 
I was having a lot of very supernatural experiences in a very ordinary mainstream kind of family. And, you know, one of the things I, why I like to share this is because most of us come in with these supernatural capacities. And so I like to share these pieces because a lot of people start putting their own puzzle pieces back together to realize that we're all special and we all have these gifts. So it was kind of like this, this thing of suppressing because the consciousness didn't say it was okay to experience this. And um, in my 20s, early 20s, I started to travel backpack on my back and travel around the world. And I started to meet a lot of shamans. And that started to just help me relax into my gifts. And then around the age of, you know, my early 30s, uh, maybe my Saturn return, I started to have these health crises. And so then I started to study the power of the mind to heal the body started having spontaneous healings, started going to cool natural paths, and then everything started to open up again. Outstanding. You have such a cool story, and we haven't even touched the surface, guys. It's fascinating. So I, I am curious how you perceive these past, present, and future timelines of people, because I, I wouldn't even know where to begin with how that looks like. So I'm just curious, what set of senses do you utilize to perceive those things? Like, how does it appear to you? Yeah, it's such a great question. One of the things that happens to me first, the information is just always present. And so it's really, it's, it's like one of the things that happened to me along the journey was as the information was coming in, I was kind of going back and forth between my human self, my normal human self and the information. So for example, if I did a session with a client, then I would really tune in. But, you know, otherwise I would go about my day and the information would be there, but I would kind of tune it out. And as the oracular gifts really started to take over in like the last, you know, decade or more, um, really more than a decade now, time isn't real. But um, so I would kind of tune in and tune out. Um, but the information just comes in. It's, it's basically like there's nothing going on in my head. You know, you hear about, um, you know, that buddhic state, like just peace and stillness. There's, there's nothing going on inside of here, which makes this a natural antenna for something to come in and use my throat chakra. And I call it the guidance and I don't call it channeling. I call it a transmission. So it's like everyone has their own cosmic information in their field, like cosmic Akash, their records, their library. We're all like these magnificent walking libraries. And so what starts coming in is like my consciousness starts going into people's books and it starts articulating. Articulation is a powerful word. Articulation means a specific way to talk in a way that is rhythmic and poetic such that it is what comes in the space between the words. And so really when the transmission is flowing, I'm not thinking, I'm not focused on the energy, the information, 
it's just this greater essence that's using this body to communicate information. That said, one of the really cool things that is coming through specifically tonight, which I love because it's unique with everyone, is I'm seeing all of these neon, and I'm hearing the word psychedelic, ley lines. So that's telling me information about your personal journey. It's, it's already this personal information is coming in because each person's field is informing in its own unique way. And I mean, there's more things I could say about this, but I'll just hold it back because, you know, it's your own personal information. That said, like I say, tonight I'm seeing this whole field of ley lines. I'm just going to call it neon ley lines. And so tonight, for example, that's how the information in our communion together is coming in. That would just be an example. But it, I mean, it comes through in sound and taste and smell and light and color and words and energy and heat and vibration. And it's cosmic. It comes in every way imaginable and beyond. You know, and but but you have to have the knowledge and wherewithal and wisdom, I'll say that, uh, to be able to interpret it in that way. Now, some people would say, because I've heard them say this, and that's, that's fine from a from a non-understanding point. Yeah, you could say that, that you're just making stuff up and connecting dots that aren't there. But uh, everyone does that all the time about everything. So actually, what you could say is, is that you're following your intuition in a way that serves your the current vibration. So it's, it seems like that you have the ability, though, to perceive things from a variety of ways and then interpret those as messages and signs and signals from the universe. I love this. I, I mean, because we talk about like uh, the synchronizational numbers and uh, cloud bursting and getting a bird to land, you know, on the branch that you're looking at and all of these cool things. And I love stuff like that. I think it's a really fun way to show your power and to show that it's just a little sprig of power and that you guys are probably a lot more power than you think. Now, uh, how how did you get to the point where you can interpret it? What I, what my mind says, whenever you're ex experiencing this at a younger age, <clears throat> it's kind of like when uh, Peter Parker got bit by the spider, you know, the radioactive spider, and he was turning into Spider-Man and everything was so crazy. And like he, he had to figure out how to regulate his powers to where they didn't overtake him in the way that he couldn't even function in society. I had to do the same. I, I ended up having a lot of health issues and I would go to doctors and naturopaths and they would be undiagnosed. And then I had this phenomenal naturopath. His name is Dr. Brown. And a lot of people had a hard time relating to Dr. Brown. I loved going to Dr. Brown because his field to me was like, this man had been a shaman, a medicine man. It's just like his field was so real and authentic as a healer. And so I think I was having some kind of like ongoing stomach issue, undiagnosed. And I went to Dr. Brown and every time I would go, he'd be like hunched over all of his 
you know, his um, homeopathic things, he'd be doing all this muscle testing. And each time I go in, he'd like be opening drawers and pulling out this and that muscle testing, muscle testing. And after like several days of muscle testing and not finding anything, he said, okay, you have some very special gifts. And first of all, you need to start understanding what's yours and what is everybody else's. Did you say and inner, that was a, inner standing? I, that's a word I like to use. I yes. love that too. I just wanted to make sure we all caught it. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We, we could talk about understanding and maritime law and what it means to stand under the courts. The moment we say we stand under, we're giving our authority to something outside of ourselves. So this is restoring our inner standing, our connection with our source consciousness. So um, that was a moment, that was an epiphany for me, that moment with Dr. Brown, because the way he turned and looked at me and said, you have these special gifts you need to understand what's yours what's everyone else's and so and i had another experience as well which i'll share so this is the same with all of us because not just some people are empathic we're all empathic we all have different genetic sequences activated in our charts you're um, last guest, which you were sharing with me, or one of your guests was the astrologer. And so one of the beautiful things she said is that, you know, there's no two people alike. Every single one of us is an absolutely unique expression of source. And that's one of the things we really want to encourage people to understand. And, and this is one of the things we really want to help everyone understand is you know, if someone is listening to this podcast, my invitation or this, this webcast so much more than podcast, but this whole, this transmission together, we really invite people to listen from a place of their own inspiration, their own connecting the dots. So almost listen as though we're listening to a voice inside of our head that is helping us to, as we say, connect the dots. We are all empathic. We all have spidey powers. We all have these empathic gifts. So in a world where everyone was interrelated and interconnected, really what the whole quarantine was about was pushing everyone deeply inward to their own cocoon to remember who they are all about because we were all intertwined and we had to bring ourselves back to our own energy field so a lot of people didn't realize that their lives were about empathing someone else we were all doing it does that make sense yeah it does yeah it, it makes complete sense so how how did you come to figure this out well, the moment with Dr. Brown was a real turning point for me when he said, you need to figure out what's yours and what's everyone else's. And that started me realizing that maybe all these health issues 
were occurring because I was just taking everyone's energy and information into me. And so it was kind of a chaotic world. So I started to learn brain coherence and brain coherence says that we have two hemispheres of the brain connected by this little bridge called the corpus callosum. And if that bridge is not very strong, we have a left hemisphere, which is logical and linear and a right hemisphere, which is intuitive and nonlinear. And they kind of have their own little battle going on. So I share with people ways to bring those hemispheres together. And once the hemispheres start to work together, then we start to find peace inside of ourselves and we can become the observer of the chaos, the observer of the internal and external uh, chaos that's going on we start to put the pieces together. So I started to learn brain coherence. I started to meditate. You know, I started to do all those obvious things that allowed me to be the observer of myself. And then I began to see how I was being affected by other personalities. And then I had this really powerful experience. I've been brain mapped uh, many times on my journey with a really remarkable scientist. And he was doing some brain map teaching at an event. And he had everyone in these groups of like 10 or 12 people. And they were all practicing on each other. And they were what they did was put the brain map on first and then they would have to create um, a baseline with each person so they did all their things they learned how to get the brain map to the baseline before they actually started brain mapping the person so then dr fan had said well why don't you you know brain map this being so i sat down brain map went on the brain map is like all these little nodes. They put this, this cap over your head and they fill gel in all these little holes in the cap. And they did all of that and then they tried to get their baselines and they couldn't get a baseline. And after 10 or 15 minutes and Dr. Fannin kind of smiling at everyone, and they said, we don't know what we're doing wrong. And he said, I will tell you something about unity. She is a clear channel. And her aura goes at least 60 feet out in this room. So right now, what you're all seeing on the brain map is everyone's brain waves in the room. That's crazy. And that's why you can't get a baseline. And that was a moment, that was an epiphany for me. And so he asked everyone to go on a break. And then he did a baseline after everyone left the room. And it was a coherent brain. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is biofeedback to help me understand why I'm able to do what I do, why I'm able to tune into streams of consciousness, pull out precise information, so precise, precise that those of us that 
follow this transmission have no doubt of its accuracy. And what I always say to people is take what resonates, throw the rest away because there's something about the way the words come out of an oracle that leaves spaciousness for contemplation for the individual. It's like when Neo goes to see the oracle in the matrix, everyone tells Neo he's the one. He goes to see the oracle. She's making cookies in her kitchen. She goes, no, you're not the one. Because what comes out of the oracle's mouth is the thing the person needs to hear the most to be super empowered to make choices, conclusions, come to conclusions and decisions from inside of themselves. I uh, am going to go ahead for the audience that doesn't need it to be uh, point out that um, I that uh, okay so we met through Stuart Pierce. You have only heard what one episode? Uh, my latest one with Ksenia. Yes. Is that accurate? Okay. So yeah. here's the deal, guys. Uh, so y'all all know this, and why I'm pointing this out is because everybody's laughing their ass off right now. For probably about the past twenty shows, I have brought this exact damn ex- example up, uh, this exact scenario, and it's about exactly what you just said that you, you you're told what you need to know at the time and this is why like uh, techniques um, manifestation is one of these things everything is one of these things actually you learn different things along the way that negate some of the earlier things but you needed those at the time to be able to build the foundation that to disregard it later does that make sense Mm-hmm. So totally. I've, I've brought this up so many damn times and you haven't heard an episode, I don't think, where I've brought this up, uh, but I do it all the time on guest spots, on everything, because it's a brilliant example. So again, another uh, thank you, Stuart Pierce. Uh, you connected us uh, very well. So nice job. There you go. Just wanted to point out the synchronicity there, darling. Absolutely love the synchronicity. It happens over and over. You know, one time I was working with someone and I was like, wow, I'm seeing this vision and it's the last moment of your life. And you've, you've recycled as this popper over and over. And, and, um, you've been thrown in this stone jail and it's like the 15th century or something like that. And you're rotting on the floor and it's so dark and there's water coming down the walls and you're taking the last breaths of your life and your hand is out and you're looking at your hand and a mouse steps into your hand and looks you in the eyes and you take your last breath and you transform. This is what I'm saying to this person. This was so many years ago. That look, that connection you make with your eyes and the mouth changes your life and you never recycle back through this story again because the moment you make the connection with the mouse's eyes you experience love in your heart for the very first time and this person that i was sharing with is like sobbing and saying i can't believe you're saying what you're saying do you know what i do every day i live in an apartment building the janitor the landlord puts out those sticky things that catch the feet of the rodents of the mice and the rats and then he picks them all up and just 
you know, the, the, the rodent's feet get stuck to these things and then they just throw them out or they kill these animals. And he said he goes around every day and he finds these sticky foot traps and he's got a little foot bath and he would take the little rodents on the little sticky foot thing and take them into his house, put them into the bath. And he's got this special mix of olive oil and dish soap. And so their little feet in the little foot bath were able to dislodge. And he was like, I do this every day and I have no idea why. And so this whole vision that I was seeing that this mouse this moment of looking at this mouse's eyes changed his life. It, it broke him free from a karmic cycle that his soul had been recycling inside of for lifetimes. So when I do sessions with people, it is so profound and such an honor because what comes through is so unique to each person's experience and their life. And that provide, provided him with such an epiphany. And it provides people with epiphanies all the time where an epiphany is like the moment you learn to ride your bike. You're never the same again. And so that's kind of what comes through these oracular transmissions is those epiphany moments like learning to ride the bike and it takes people cosmic it there is just no turning back it's like it instantaneously transforms the circuitry forever and it shuts circuitry off and it turns new circuitry on and that's my passion like let's get our whole human family get the old stuff turned off and the new stuff turned on because it's time to celebrate. And that's why I'm so excited to be with you here together and expanding reality and everything that we share together. Just let's play and have fun and bring forth these opportunities for these epiphanies for everyone. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, first of all, cool as shit story. That was unbelievable. I'm just sitting here like, <laughs> I know the camera's on you, but I was like, I don't know if you could see my face, but I'm blown away by that. So <clears throat> what about your past lives? Have you done any past life regressions? Yes, I did. When I was having health issues, um, with, when I was going to see Dr. Brown, the unresolved health issues were. Um, healed through five past life regressions. So this was when I was like, you know, really starting to get a grasp of my own gifts. And so at the time I did the past life regressions, it was like, oh, this was really taking a leap for me. I was not into naturopathic medicine. It was pretty woo woo for me to do past life regression. And I love to share that because what comes out of me now is so cosmic. And I like to share it because to say, you know, I, I was not always open to these things. But as the doors started to open, just wow. 
freedom and liberation of my consciousness in my expanding reality. And that's when everything went miraculous. So um, I did past life regressions that healed, that brought my my own body back into homeostasis, which is balance. And when the body, when the body, when we energetically release things that are held in the emotional fields, in the energetic fields, the fields we don't see in the physical realms, and give a little time and space, everything in the body can come back into its own balance. And it's the most non-invasive way to make a change in the physical. So past lives, um, my guidance told me that it's only my fourth incarnation on this planet. My previous incarnations, I always um, came in as what the guidance called a freedom fighter. In April of 2014, I was on my way to do ceremony with different indigenous elders from different indigenous nations before going to Israel to carry their sacred bundles at a time of great astrological shift in April of 2014. And so I was on the island of Kauai and I had just launched, um, you know, the curated form of my podcast that I had at the time. And I went to a prayer in the ocean before I left the island. And I always made an offering back to Kauai because she really woke me up. That island, my relationship with the island itself is what set me on this really phenomenal journey on the planet. And so I did this ceremony in the water and I put the crystals in and I was saying, okay, Mama Kauai, you know how we do this. You always send me out. And I always pray to you to call me back here. And I always ask you to please promise me that I'll always have a special home. And so I was doing this and boom, all of a sudden I was back in Auschwitz. And the guidance said in linear time, that was my last incarnation on the earth. I mean, when I'm shown things, there's so many specifics. I'm literally having a shamanic experience of physically being back there when these things come into me like this. And um, I was shown that I went to Auschwitz when I was 16 with my beloved. I was pregnant. My beloved was beaten to death. I was shown him dying, um, you know, in, in um, this, this room with all the bunk beds, all of us had had our heads shaved. I was just shown all of these miseries. And after his death, that spirit that has been within me to come to what I call the fictional fiction, the, you know, I don't give the matrix the power to make it like it's real. So I just refer to it as the fictional fiction. But my incarnations into the fictional fiction after the death of my partner, my memory and my fire 
turned back on in that lifetime. And the guidance showed me that I had then escaped Auschwitz through the underground tunnels and continued my work as a freedom fighter. And that I was supported by a lot of German families and other families as well. And the guidance showed that I moved in and out of the prisons, bringing information to the internal freedom fighters as well. And the guidance said in that moment that in this lifetime, those other lifetimes of freedom fighting would bring true success to the entire collective consciousness and that we were about to unlock the, um, we'll call them the accounts, that this lifetime we would be successful in opening the veils and showing everyone the way out. Sweet. I'm so here for this. So uh, that's now, right? This is now. That's right here, right now. It's <laughs> called Unlocking the Super Abundance. Yeah, buddy. Which is why we like to take people always back to reconnect as they're listening to all of this to the power inside of themselves, not to you and me as though we are something outside that is more powerful. We want people to just let this energy start building up their remembrance, their power, their superpowers inside of themselves. You know what I find so interesting is what you said about uh, when Dr. Brown and you were talking to him about all of these powers and this stuff and he was making some wonderful suggestions to you. It's interesting to me how past lives can affect the lives that you have now, but you have to be told that that's what's occurring. It, it's almost like uh, an energetic, um, like genetically energetic, energetic or something like that. Energetically, you have an imprint on you that stays with you through all of these lifetimes until it's healed in some way. This is why you want to heal the most stuff in every lifetime. So you can kind of clean the slate, but you're constantly accruing new stuff, which is very interesting as well. So it, it seems like that there's there's these things that we need to know, but we don't. Now, that could be true for a lot of the systems in place here. I mean, the you know an inversion of reality is what we're dealing with from our official sources. So I get that it's not going to be authentic information. But do you think at some point in humanity's history, this was just knowledge? This was just stuff that you knew about things like, oh, in this other life, in this other incarnation, it was very openly spoken about and an obvious, you know, way to heal yourself. Uh, kind of like how, I guess this backward ass society just takes pills for everything. This was just the way, uh, and it's been just kind of hidden from us. It's such a great question as you're asking that question, because the quality of the answer is based on the quality of the question. What I'm hearing come in is in the times of Socrates and Plato. It was like what the guidance is showing is that in times on the planet like that, there was much less misalignment. So it's kind of like the connection to the stars was a natural part of our existence. You think about humans living in houses with shingles. Um, you think about people driving cars with rubber tires on asphalt roads. The current paradigm in the fictional fiction is all based on dead dinosaurs. 
it's literally a world that's based on fossil fuels, including the shingles on the roof. So the shingles on the roof of the house, just that alone cuts off one's connection to cosmic consciousness because one is not resting under the stars. Anyone knows when they go camping, when they go to the beach for a beach fire and they walk away from the fire for a few minutes and they go, oh my gosh, look at all the stars. That alone, the way that the Western world, not, not some people in some locations on the planet, but the people in the Western world are so disconnected from the rhythms of the night on the planet. And that's what keeps us connected to what we call other lifetimes, other worlds. It's a great song too, by the way, uh, The Rhythm of the Night. You know, I, I love this idea of the connection and I do think that it's been deliberately hijacked in several ways. So I, I'm just curious why the hijacking? How, how did it start? I mean, we kind of have an idea with Rockefeller and all of that, but what, how did we go from being so dope as a species to what we look around and see now, which we're still dope. There's essences of dope. We're dope-ish. But as a, if we're judging it in a large number here, uh, what I mean is the ubiquitous knowledge. And it seems like this age of deceit, and I get all of that. It, like, how did it come to be? Is it got to have a purpose to it? Everything has a purpose. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. It, from, from when we really connect into the cosmic plan, it always has a purpose, not a purpose from the way that we think about it from the human mind. It just becomes obvious that it is a divine plan. Like any architectural plan, point A connects with point B. So when we are inside of a container called a body and a reality and a community, that is all part of a greater divine plan. When I share with clients their blueprints, I'll say, I'm going to show you your blueprint, but you're not your blueprint. And I'm a blueprint buster. Because what is beyond the containers that we're functioning in is where the magic is. It's called zero point. It's where we have the ultimate potential for creation. And my passion is to rekindle our remembrance, to move in and out of time and space at will, to collapse inward to that cosmic akash within us and come back out again with no limitation or restriction for our capacity to do that freely and at will. There is a book written by a man named Carl Kalaman, and he, uh, it's called The Nine Ways of Consciousness, and he did a great job of summing up the Mayan calendar in a way that made it fairly simplistic for people to understand the nine waves of consciousness 
that the Mayan teachings were referring to and what they were referring to with the end of time. What he showed in his book is that we're made of the planet. We are of the planetary consciousness. We are also of the stars. Is there any difference or separation at the level of our awareness? When we are held back from the truth of who we are, which is what happened in the fictional fiction, forced brutality to limit our awareness of the truth of who we are. What Carl Kalman shows in his book about the transiting kinds of consciousness that we've been through is that because of these two hemispheres of the brain, the earth emitted different frequency patterns at different times in its own journey. Those different frequency patterns affected our brain in different ways. Sometimes they turned on the left side and turned off the right. Sometimes they turned on the right and turned off the left. So it's kind of like if you're, you know, I don't know, the guidance, I never change the words. Guidance is like if you're driving a jalopy <laughs> and, you know, the tires, the tires are only inflated on the left. It's going to affect how the car drives. So how did we get where we got? And, you know, the guidance is like, how do we bring Humpty Dumpty back together again? Well, there's something greater that's flowing through us called nature. And all that's really happening right now is that we have the capacities and gifts to align with nature. Nature, the best metaphor for nature, if you're a surfer, is a wave. That's nature. So there's this cosmic wave that's coming in or it's coming. If you're a surfer and you know nothing about how to catch the wave, you're probably not going to catch the wave coming in. You might even get knocked over by it. That's what happened to a lot of people during the pandemic. They didn't know a wave was coming in, even though the indigenous prophecies were preparing the collective. Most of the Western world was so arrogant, operating at a shadow frequency that most of the Western world did not tune in to the teachings that were being offered to us to prepare for the cosmic wave coming in. For some people, they took the teachings. They followed different traditions. They knew how to read the astrological maps. The false narrative in the fictional fiction was designed to keep everyone in the Western world at a minimum from tuning in to know that there was a cosmic wave coming in. How did we get that way in our societies, in our creations? Why would some people do that? 
where there's only one of us here. So each one of us represents a different expression of the whole. And it is for each of us to find the balance and alignment within us without judgment. This is part of the genetics. It is for us to transcend mortality and morality altogether. that brings us back to our eternal nature. And the only way to come back to the eternal nature at all is overcome the belief in good and evil. And Carl Kalman showed that in his nine waves of consciousness, he showed that when the ninth wave called unity comes in, which unifies both hemispheres of the brain back into one brain, which allows all of our supernatural capacities to come in. He said, we would each have to individually overcome our belief in the hologram of good and evil that was programmed within. So the hologram of good and evil was clearly an outpicturing of a destiny plan to be experienced on behalf of a greater collective to explore, to understand. And as that wave collapses within us, we begin to understand there is no separation. That's how unity is coming in. So if we think about the wave and it's a big tsunami wave, I mean, we're not talking this. If you're a surfer, you're probably not going to catch the tsunami tsunami, but we have the capacity to tune in and keep quieting the dualistic mind. And that's what the Hopi prophecy of the Hopi indigenous said. The red hats would come small in number from the east and they would bring us the tools for how to understand how to use the mind to collapse the dualities back into the singularity, back into unity, back into oneness. They said that the most difficult, um, polarity we would have to transcend on the planet was that eastern philosophy said god is within western philosophy spiritual philosophy said god is outside and they said that would be the most challenging thing on the planet we would collectively have to transcend was those two polarities of awareness of where our sovereignty, where our pure source consciousness truly exists. And this is where we get cosmic and beyond quantum. And we start like really playing with the concepts to the point where the particles begin to loosen up. We don't need as much. We don't experience time anymore. All these interest synchronicities start happening. And so that's when we really begin to transcend that hologram of good and evil and 
you've got a bunch of surfers now on that wave riding it together, having a great time. Now we're really tuning in to a collective consciousness where no work is required. Now it's fun because there's one consciousness informing us that's coming in. It's no longer an individuated consciousness between you and me. It's one consciousness coming in. You know, this divide that you talk about, I completely agree. And it seems like that that's what the fictional fiction does best is divide everyone or attempts to do best is divide everyone. And it's just simply because of the observable, I think it's from the observable polarity or duality in this place, like hot, cold, dark light, all that stuff. So they kind of present things in that way. They give you these two options, but either one of them doesn't involve unity for the most part, let's say in the Western systems of structure. Something that may be able to marry the two, and this is where I'd kind of like to ask you next, would be, would something such that would cause such a shakeup, like an alien, like what uh, Reagan was talking about, the 89 uh, in the, at the UN, you know, how all of our differences would just dissolve if an alien threat, you know, he said threat, but I don't think threat needs to be there. If let's say an extraterrestrial or a non-human intelligence shows up on this place at this time, crucial time, there's a big UFO flap going on right now. To say, look, you know, everything's cool, we're good, we know that you did this and you did this. Now, again, there's a Matrix or a fictional fiction version of this with Project Bluebeam, where they're going to fake an alien invasion and tell you that all religions are one and that you kind of had it right, but you didn't. And it involves earthquakes that unveil new uh, teachings uh, that kind of tie it all together in a nice little bow. And then they just go, yep. Check it off. It's good. Now, they frame it in, in this way. It was framed in a means of control. But do you think like an actual set of non-human intelligences that come down here and do a very deliberate, very overt, I know that we arguably they've done this several times, but a super good one, like Independence Day, the movie, but without all the destruction. And they just kind of go, hey, and they telepathic in of our minds and say, here's what's really going on. Everything's cool. Everyone instantly gets this gnosis type thing. And then we have the world that you're talking about, ideally, right? I mean, do you think that that's even something that's, let's say that the system here accommodates, you know, because it, it feels like, and again, from my perspective, I know this is going on. I just have so much stuff to ask you. From my perspective, when I look at this, I see this as like an experience or a game. Okay, so what happens here is kind of isolated from higher selves. You know, it's, it's kind of like, and again, that's just the way that I picture it. It's like we have training wheels on here, or it's like we're shooting with blanks, like no real damage occurs. But we take it seriously because we're here, and it's serious to us because we're here. But on the other side, do you think that all of that stuff is necessary and it's that confused? This is the thing, honestly, uh, Unity, that I'm just going to tell you. This is the thing that scares the shit out of me, is if consciousness itself or the source of all everything... I'm not going to say screwed up, but but screwed up and basically separated itself out into a way that's very jarring from the perspective of the individuated consciousnesses to reassemble itself into wholeness. It seems like if it was that adamant about doing so, it would just flip a switch and be done. Again, this is where in my mind it separates out. It's that either it's all unity consciousness and everything's like safe. Again, this is kind of like the mirror dimension or we're shooting with blanks and all that good stuff. There's a detachment from consequence on a high level if that makes sense again it's just like when you die in your video game in call of duty you don't really die in life it but also it kind of it it makes me feel like 
that the things like out of control. Again, I, I don't feel comfortable uh, just kind of even entertaining the thought that we're like gods with amnesia and we're basically stuck here until we figure this thing out. Like, honestly, it scares the shit out of me that it that this thing is like out of control. But I know from our perspective, it would feel that way. This is like, I guess it's like being on a, a ride, you know? I mean, just like Bill Hicks says, actually, now it's all making sense. Okay. But I want to hear what you have to say about it. So, uh... I want to know which part is all making sense now. Well, it it makes sense because of the the analogy I use all the time. It opens the show uh, with "It's Just a Ride" by Bill Hicks, and his his observation about this place is something that that really roots me in a. It's honestly the thing that I feel most comfortable. I I don't want to say believing. It's my favorite idea about the structure of this place. That basically it's just a ride and that this was a chosen experience for you to have just to play and that there's no bad place to go after this. And so what makes sense is that fact, okay? So this is why I was saying that, but it doesn't rule out the fact that it's out of control and perhaps the fact that we view things that way or that experience that way of explaining this place resonates so deep with me is because it's supposed to be there because that f- maybe that's something to kind of take the sting off of you figuring out that this is just spinning out of control and that none of it's handled and that you keep recycling here and keep you know committing atrocities on yourself uh forever like that scares the shit out of me that that to me then would be like oh okay there is a hell we're in it and that's what that looks like in my life even with all the wonderful things here it seems like now in my mind looking at it through that lens that this whole place is peppered with amazing things just so that we don't lose our shit even more you know what i mean kind of as a consultation i know that's a weird perspective i don't know just talking to you i get all these i don't know it's odd (laughs) well okay so um what i'm getting from what you're sharing is that up okay do you know what cymatics is you oh, must yeah. know you're a musician we well we've talked about it several times on the show with musicians and we've brought it up how it <laughs> to answer your question yes i have yes <laughs> okay so we'll just explain it from the perspective of answering or speaking to what you're sharing or sharing with what you're sharing cymatics is like looking at a snowflake okay So a certain sound creates a certain structure, and that's what a snowflake is. It is the physical manifestation of a sound. And when we go through what's called a phase shift, that snowflake is going to change. We know there's all these different states of water, right? Okay, there's liquid, there's frozen, there's gas, there's ether. You know, now they're explaining there's other states that water can be in. And we're going through a phase shift just like a snowflake or a snowman melting. It's exactly the same. The whole karmic thing that you talk about 
in the middle of an ice cold winter in the prairies, the snowman is not going to melt. So it's the same thing when the consciousness is inside of a very rigid structure. There is karmic recycling that happens because the consciousness is bound to the rigidity of that structure. It is bound by gravity and time. That's what was happening to our consciousness as a metaphor. You could say that our consciousness was like it was in a frosty cold snowman in the middle of 40 blow winter in December. And there's a whole lot more months of winter to come. So it feels like recycling around. Then the spring comes, the snowman melts. That's where we are right now. We are, some people call it Christ consciousness. We call it the Christos. It's a phase shift. So if we put our consciousness into a simulation, a phase shift is about to happen. Does it feel like there's chaos inside of the snowman when the snowman is melting? If the consciousness has only known itself from that external rigidity of the structure, and that's the world that we've come from, is an extremely rigid authoritarian structure. That structure is down. It's all gone now. So as I do a lot of love streams and I inspire people to wake up, to understand that the systems of quotation marks authority are inorganic. The systems are just structures themselves. And it is people who work inside of the systems, organic consciousness, keeps the systems going. When people inside of systems and structures, borders, boundaries, taxes, passports, wake up to realize that the structures themselves are not real, we then begin to realize we're not bound. And that's what happened to a lot of people during the, the quarantine. People got pushed so deeply inside of themselves to face their fears, to face their um, mortality. And what happens to the psyche itself, because the psyche, the ego is a structure. And when people get pushed so deep inside of that structure, there tends to be a rebound. One can only try to figure it out for so long before the psyche collapses. They used to call it a nervous breakdown. So for the entire Western world, the psyche has collapsed so much now that possibility is flooding our awareness. So ideas that used to be considered fringe outside the box are very easy to convey and share with each other now in such a way that, you know, all the conversations in the grocery store line up and what light bulbs are going off. Everyone is starting to wake up now because the winter is over. 
the rigidity, call it a simulation, whatever it is, whatever it was. The rigidity has melted off now, which is why we call this miracle jubilee. The guidance used to say long before Corona, COVID and quarantine was all announced, I saw this vision. The guidance said that humanity was going to go through a long period of crying. And then all of a sudden I was shown all of humanity laughing together as one. And that's the awakening. That's the epiphany that it's everything you just suggested it might be. Uh, A hologram, a simulation, a game, uh, all these different things. And that's what is about to happen now is, you know, people who are still sitting in front of their news television and yelling at the television. Jokes on them because it gets so ridiculous. There's a purpose to the ridiculousness, which is to wake people up to get off the couch and go do something different. Go do something that we're passionate about, that we love, that lights us up. Just get the F off the couch. And so it gets to that point of ridiculousness so that one can finally go, this is so stupid. It's so dumb. How many people say that when they sit in front of the news, but they still sit in front of the news, showing up loyally to hand their consciousness over to something outside of themselves to tell them what the weather is going to be, tell them what it's like outside, tell them what it's like in some other country that they've never been to and probably will never get to. There is nothing real except the pure source consciousness in the moment of now. And the collective is beginning to return to that state of its eternal awareness, its pure source consciousness. So is there anything to do? Yeah, celebrate, do things that light us up, have fun. The the prophecies said, the Hopi prophecy said, push off from the edge of the river. There are those who will be afraid. They will hold on tightly. They will suffer greatly. Take nothing personal at this time, most of all yourself. For the moment that you do, you will halt your spiritual evolution. The prophecies held the codes to say the gig is going down. The prophecies of these little indigenous people with their funny little Hopi haircuts that weren't honored or respected by the Western world. Indigenous peoples that were considered primitive when they're the code carriers for the planet. They're the ones who know it's a game. It's a simulation. And we had things to resolve and we we are stewards of this planet. So it is the moment become to become the stewards again now of ourselves, our lives, our communities, each other, our friendships, our sharing of resources to what I say is that this mothership that we're on has a destination now. And we have the opportunity to clean up the reality show people being locked inside of some, you know, house for a week, like reality shows. 
We have the opportunity right now to come together and clean this mothership up before it reaches its final destination so that we can say we did the very best in every way to return ourselves to ourselves, meaning you could say our future selves or the wholeness of ourselves, to show up fully in honor and valor when we meet that part of ourselves. And that's why we really encourage people to test the systems. If the guidance is saying do something that does not comply to the system, test it. Step outside the box. Don't follow the rule. And keep going and see what happens. And people will discover right now nothing happens because COVID leveled the playing field. So whether someone was playing the role of a military personnel or a president or an organic farmer, it brought the unconscious to the conscious to be resolved inside of the self. And that turned everyone off from playing their roles so convincingly because the roles we've been in have been roles in a play. It's not who we are. And the awakening is coming fast and furious now to go, I don't care about my job anymore. It doesn't matter what role people were playing. They just don't care about the things they cared about before. And you see it everywhere. People are just happier. I mean, you see the collective flowing in this unity consciousness. And then there's certain of us who are imaginal selves who hold the codes to guide the consciousness into the shape of the butterfly. That's just our roles. Exactly the same with when the caterpillar turns to the butterfly, less than 1% of the cells inside of the butterfly hold the coat inside of the um, caterpillar, hold the codes for creating the butterfly. Doesn't mean they're more important. It just means the imaginal cells have a role right now to steward the systems in such a way that everyone who is letting go of someone or something else they thought they were. They're releasing their energy to be prepared to step into their new expression. And it's cosmic. Yes, veils opening. The veils are lifting and we get to remember what is beyond this container itself. You know, and we're, we talk about contact and all these kinds of it's like what is beyond these veils is what's calling us. We get visions of it. We have um, UFO conferences. We, you know, all of these things. We know inside of ourselves that this is not it. And it all starts to feel like a simulation. So what do you do while you're still here before we unlock the veils? Have fun and listen for inspired action and take it. If it's not inspired anymore and it makes one feel tired, don't do it at all. Follow the inspired action that come through our higher guidance and do those things. And then it aligns us together like we're aligned right now. 
and it becomes effortless. And all of a sudden, all the right people show up, all the right resources. We didn't even have to work hard to make this happen. We just followed the inspired action inside of ourselves. And here we are having a great conversation because we just love hanging out together. Same with everyone else. You know, something uh, I just kind of keep going back to is this idea, whenever you're explaining the Hopi prophecy, I it sucks ass that there are going to be some people here who don't... I just phrase this right. Okay, so this idea doesn't appeal to everybody. The thing about the people that it doesn't appeal to, I understand that they're maybe, you know, under a spell or that the propaganda worked or that the systems in place are actually anchoring them and grounding them to that state, let's call it. Uh, the the part that sucks about this, I guess, in that way is, is that people go for and gravitate towards what they gravitate towards and what speaks to them. They've had plenty of opportunity their entire life, and especially lately, which I, this is not, I'm, it's not lost on me that there's been a shitload of people that wake up and have recently. And so it's, it's very obvious that there's a great awakening happening here. Absolutely. My question is, for the people who don't, it doesn't resonate with and that will not see it from any perspective other than that, what happens to them? They wake up simultaneous. There is, this is such a great question. So arrogance is the belief that being awake is better than being asleep. That's arrogance. Yeah, because ignorance is bliss. I know people that don't know shit and they are the happiest damn people in the world. That's right. (laughs) So that's why we say followed inspired action. Why are you and I doing this? Because this is inspired action that we took. I didn't do this to be sophisticated or an intellect. It just comes through my mouth. It's offering a collective service to those who resonate with it. For those that do not resonate at all, It's perfect. They are representing the exact part of the system they're meant to represent. And not everything will resonate with everyone at all. It's like, so for those who don't believe that anything is happening, that, let me just, because there's a stream that was coming through from, from your question, but I, I, I want to get this because um, it's a perfect question. For those who don't resonate at all, the alarm bell still goes off in the morning. You know, it's like if you, you're going to university and you live in a dorm. There's still a 6 a.m. alarm bell. And some people aren't going to get up at all. But it doesn't matter because cosmically we are at the moment of the great transformation. And what it is said in the genetics is that some must play the role of carrying the old consciousness out. It's like, you know, the, the Christmas pageant in elementary school. Someone's going to be the janitor and someone's going to play this starring role. But every kid in the school gets a role in the Christmas pageant. Some people's role is to 
embody the old consciousness all the way out. That's just the role. It's like I'm hearing the words Archie Bunker. It's like Archie Bunker will always be that role of Archie Bunker. It's just an archetypal role. We are, the whole thing with masking is really about taking the mask off and remembering that we are not anything that we think we are. So if it's the guy that, you know, watches football and drinks soda pop and eats eats potato chips on the couch every weekend, or if it's the intellect at university, the professor, or someone that isn't talking about any of this at all, it's relevant because it's a cosmic process. It's a cosmic clock that is waking up inside of us. I'm sure there's caterpillars who do not believe they're turning into monarch butterflies at all, but it does not stop the process inside of them. One of the things the guidance always used to show many decades ago, when I started to realize that I was seeing visions of something of grandeur that was coming, the guidance would kind of show me that some aspects of the consciousness were building underground bunkers to protect themselves. And the guidance would show the, the ridiculousness of creating underground bunkers because we can't protect ourselves on the outside from something that is happening inside of us all. So each person is going to ride the wave differently. There's no judgment. It's irrelevant. Someone can be an arrogant a-hole and say that all those people are asleep and they're not going to make it. No, there's only one consciousness here going on. And so one of the things I really like to say right now, because again, some people aren't going to believe the Hopi prophecy. It doesn't matter at all. The Hopi prophecy was a set of instructions. That's what they told us. It was a set of instructions. And what they said was for those who let go of the edge of the river, push off from the edge. That meant let go of your ego. Time would come when our our egos would be challenged, our relationships would be challenged, our roles in the play would be challenged in totality. They told us it was coming. And they said, push off from the edge of the river, keep your head above water, look around, see who is there with you and celebrate, for this could be a time of celebration. The river knows its destination and it's flowing fast. So what I've really been experiencing inside of myself, while we are still in some level of ego identification, just celebrate who is here with us a lot. And don't worry about the ego at all, because the playing field is being equaled regardless of who we are. And we're just seeing the happiness being released and liberated and unlocked inside of everyone. There's nothing to fix anymore. 
it's like if the if the river bank is washing away in a flood the safest place is to be in the middle of the river and there's no bank to hold on to anymore so people who maybe don't intellectualize this ignorance is bliss are happy in their own way ego is the babylon the languages of babylon is what created separation what i'm learning inside of myself is a level of heart intelligence that is allowing me to communicate even more with different reflections of myself that are so different from who i've been and i just keep like surrendering who i am and letting it go because all i see is love everywhere all i see is people wanting to connect all i see is people wanting to celebrate and have fun and i don't watch news i don't watch television but we all know even the people who don't talk about it know because they feel it inside of themselves one of the things I keep thinking about with this is that, yes, and I, I, I love the analogy that you made because it's completely apt. It makes the most damn sense that, of course, we're just all actors here. But what's really interesting about it is, is that, yes, you have roles that you play and those are, you know, uh, characters that you've developed over the ego structures that are present here for to, to survive. And also, it, it, it's all about survival. It's about not, you know, uh, falling off something super tall. It's about being aware and hesitant of loud noises because those can mean thing historically uh, for your safety. It's about uh, not going against the grain too much because you won't fit into the tribe and then now you're ostracized. You know, those type of mentalities. It's it's just interesting that it manifests itself in this way. And also, it's it's kind of like with this with this change, with this end, with this new beginning is really, you know, how we'd like to prefer to see it. Uh, it seems like that we were all kind of in the middle of this play. And all of a sudden, they just said, okay, play's over. So it's almost like you get as you get a certain amount of time with your consciousness in this state, experiencing this act or this uh, presentation, uh, this experience. And then once that's over and vibration shifts, uh, then everything just kind of goes, okay. Uh, and then you instantly wake up and we all realize that we were doing that. But it seems like a greater purpose here is to realize it's a play and then to wake up and become the actor playing the part, not the part that you're playing the whole time. You remember that you're the actor. That. That to me is like one of the winning features of the game. You wake up, you realize you're acting. So now you have the opportunity. This is what the guidance always used to say to me. Go for the Academy Award. Noise. Now that you know, go for the best performance imaginable because the play is coming to an end and invite everybody else 
to go for their best performance because it's coming to an end for us all. And one of the metaphors the guidance has used is it's like musical chairs. And I've said this to people of all ages, when the music stops, it doesn't matter if you're 21 and looking for your first partner. It doesn't matter if you're five or 95. When the music stops in musical chairs, the music stops for all. It's exactly what you're saying. So it's irrelevant if people have an awareness or not. It's completely irrelevant. It's irrelevant if people are aware that a tsunami wave is coming in or a wave at all. It's irrelevant. It can be helpful to know that there's a wave coming in. It can be enjoyable to know how to surf the wave. But it's not a necessity. It's not a requirement of nature. So some people don't mind getting pummeled by a wave. You know, the ignorance is bliss aspect of the self. It's like, ha, ah, you see people out in the ocean all the time jumping around in big waves. And, you know, I might be standing on the shore going, I can't believe those people don't know, like, how dangerous that is. But they, they have the greatest time and nothing ever happens to them because they're having fun. So it's the same. It doesn't matter if we know how to surf the wave, don't know how to surf the wave, know that there's a wave, don't know that there's a wave. What I say is that COVID or quarantine, Corona, was the answer from the higher selves to shut it down. That I call that the event because I say that was the moment that enough of our higher selves responded and said, okay, Corona is when we shut the game down. And certainly from, you know, playing in the game, my journey took me into the financial world. It took me into the big families. It took me into private military. It took me into big oil. And one of the things that was always talked about on phone calls that I was on for years inside of the financial systems was the CV. And my little oracle mind would always be searching around going, the CV, the CV, what is the CV? The moment coronavirus was announced, I went, got it. Holy shit. I just, I, I recycled a post on Facebook about this the other day because on my own journey, and if we think of it in the way that everyone had a piece, so nobody inside of the puzzle, one puzzle piece doesn't know the whole from the perspective we've experienced it from. The entire hologram exists inside of one grain of sand. But did anyone have access to it all? So we needed each other to puzzle all the parts back together. And for me, that was a huge one because I would be on these financial calls and all these investors and people with 400 million that we're going to reinfuse it into the financial world or whatever they they would all be on these calls and 
the calls were not about the things we would think they would be about. The calls were actually about bloodlines. It really wasn't about money at all. So that started to help me see that there was something going on here beyond the simulation as we knew it. And the CV part was the part that I knew that the simulation was about to fall because I heard those two letters so many times for years on financial calls. And when it was announced, it was very clear it meant enough of the collective corona crown chakra had opened up for the hologram, for the simulation to fall. And that was really the sign. If we're playing a game, let's say basketball on a basketball court, and one of the metaphors I used to use is that, you know, there's the dark and the light. And so let's say in the game that we played with ourselves, the dark got way less players. They got all the all the seeming control and power, although I don't like to associate the word power with that. Um, but they got all the control. They got way less players. They got to know exactly what was going on. And they got to play without a blinder on. But they made up, what did we always hear? The one percenters. One percent holds, you know, all the riches and the 99 percent do not. What was that telling us? It was saying one percent know exactly what's going on here. And that's the role we all collectively assign them. The rest, the 99 percent have the blinders on, don't know what is going on at all. But can 99 percent overcome the deeds of the darkest of the dark in a game of good and evil. And at one point in time, the indigenous started to step forth and say, humanity, you are hanging by a thread. Meaning the 99 percenters were not stepping into their authority at all. That's why I invite people, step outside the box. Don't give our consent to systems that don't make sense to us. On my own journey, my higher self took away everything I loved. One after another after another. To the point where it was such surrender to my higher self that my higher self started to ask me. Then, once I had surrendered back and said, okay, you know better than I do. I'm not going to attach or hold on to anything at all. And then the guidance was like, well, why are you still paying your taxes? Why are you acknowledging driver's license and insurance and passports and fictional borders and boundaries? Does that bring you joy? I'm like, no, that doesn't bring me joy at all. And the guidance is like, well, we took away everything that brought you joy. Why are you holding on to those things that sustain the structure that brings you no joy at all? And that's when I went, oh, so you want me to 
not acknowledge borders, boundaries, taxes, passports, blueprints, driver's license, car insurance. And the guidance was like, try it, see what happens. And so that was my journey was to keep stepping forth inside of removing my consent, listening to the guidance of the higher self. This is what it means to have the crown open and be sovereign to walk in the world, not of it. Systems do not touch us at all. The systems aren't interested in those who are fully awakened. The system is a pen for those who give their authority away. And that's why the indigenous told us we were hanging by a thread because not enough were bad assing it on the ball court and saying, pardon my French, fuck it. I'm not playing inside of these rules, dropping bombs on millions of people on the planet, innocent people in countries that have no defenses, plastic islands bigger than Texas floating around in the ocean, choking out marine life, um, entire city blocks collapsing in because of fracking. I'm giving my consent to this. And then I started to wake up to my spirit inside of myself and realize the karmic implications of giving my consent, whether it was spoken or unspoken. And that's when I started to badass it in the world, climb military fences, spray my womb blood all over military cameras, return water to the earth, started being sought out by the indigenous and the cabal and the royals and all the bloodlines be, being sought out by it all. Because we start to magnetize true cosmic power back to our energy field. And that's what we are all here to do is restore our pillars to the cosmic akash beyond the veils. So that's why three weeks ago or a month ago, the guidance started having me speak publicly about my journey and to encourage our human family to remove our consent and step beyond these fictional veils. And what I say in all of the sharing that I'm doing is this transmission is for everyone. It's not about a bloodline. It's not about a government. It's not about a false border. It's not, uh, it's not about, um, creating um it's not about disrespect it's about remembering how to hold honor within us namaste the divine in me honors the divine in you and when we learn to hold that within ourselves again we walk in the world not of it and that's when the consciousness transcends, even the level of the role that we're playing. So when I say I'm an oracle, I'm an oracle in the play. It's in my genetic sequencing. I have the 4037. That's the feminine Christos in the play. But do I identify with those things? Not at all. I say that I am pure source consciousness in form, having an experience 
And currently my experience is to inform the field of my full awareness of the truth of who we are. So this 2022, even though time isn't real, is the call out to wake up, to bring the drama within us to an end, to understand what brain coherence is so that we can stabilize our physical systems so that the higher consciousness can come back in. And that's the take off the mask. The movie V for Vendetta had all the codes. Remember, remember the 5th of November, he takes over the airways. He says, next year at this time, meet me here. So what did we do from these grid lines here? We sent out the signal and we brought through a transmission on the 5th of November. And because we use a lot of crystals in this home and communicate with these crystals consciously and created new systems of communication for the collective and then up leveled the collectiveness inside of ourself because DNA communicates non-locally. So when my DNA transforms inside of myself, the hundredth monkey principle is happening. And we sent out the call out to the collective to take off the mask, to come forth to the Miracle Jubilee celebration, to bring all of our resources to this stone soup celebration together and really bring this party on. I absolutely love this. Uh, Unity Bliss, we are going to cap it on this one, darling, but you and I have so much more to talk about. So you will definitely be back and we have just a ton to talk about. I have so many more ridiculously long questions for you. So I'll have to get those in. I just thank you so much. Of course, any way you want to be found, I'm going to link in the show notes, of course. So guys, definitely check her out and stay tuned here because we definitely have more to talk about. So you, you will be invited back. Uh, If you take me up on that, I would be grateful. I'd be honored. Thank you. Thanks to all the listeners. It's a joy to be here. So much love. All the love in the world for that incredible expression of source named Unity Bliss on this plane in this incarnation. Uh, it's truly, truly grateful, Unity. Thank you so much. Now, all the ways, guys, of course, to connect with her is located down in the show notes. So check that out. A personal thank you going out to Stuart Pierce for that introduction. So thank you so much, Stuart. I really appreciate you, brother. Now, located down in the show notes, as well as how to contact Unity, is going to be our affiliate link. So, Food Forest Abundance, get your freedom from fear on. Libsyn, if you would like to start your own podcast, that's who I host through. It's why I recommend them. As well as if you're going to buy any damn thing at all on Amazon, uh, feed that beast through our affiliate link. It helps the show. If you're going to do that anyway, go ahead and run it through us and help the help the show that way. Also, uh, there's a resource link for Opus, which is the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support, a phenomenal community for anyone out there who feels that they have had an abduction experience or a paranormal encounter that they can't explain that is the link to click guys also down there is going to be expandingrealitypodcast.com you can be an expansive insider over there and support the show that way there's a bunch of cool free stuff over there either way go check it out sign up we're getting away from youtube altogether we're not wanted there so we are going to do our own thing on the website so go check that thing out 
uh, like I said, ton of stuff going on over there. All the videos are being laboriously uploaded there uh, for free, so y'all can just go check that thing out. Okay, guys, so go out into this beautifully amazing place, whatever the hell this thing is, as the play winds down and we're starting to assimilate back into ourselves as a collective. While we're doing all of that, in the meantime, there's still people in line around you that you could buy a coffee for, a meal, something like that, something small, you know, accelerate that uh, coming together process a little bit faster for all of us here, right? Also, uh, just hold doors open, smile. That's an easy way to kind of raise the vibe around here. And then uh, pick up a piece of litter, of course, because that sucks to see that on the ground. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. Uh, another pet peeve of mine is get the fuck out of the left-hand lane if you've got somebody behind you wanting to pass. Again, this is all about raising the vibration. So let's do it together. Go out into this incredible place, guys. In the meantime, whatever the hell we're going through, and y'all just be good to one another. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.